When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Howdy, folks, and welcome back to Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the Bearcats every single week. We are, of course, proud members of the 1012 Network, so make sure to check out our network and all our other shows, and as well, keep watching us. Um, we're really excited after this weekend. The Bearcats, in the midst of the darkness, looked like they were going to uh, disappoint, and lo and behold, never count them out. There is always a glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel. They pulled it off in what Somehow. otherwise seemed like desperate measures to beat UCF. Yeah, somehow they did it. I mean, UCF missing a few starters, had to fly commercially to this game and still was up by 12 at halftime and erased a 12-point lead for the Bearcats almost immediately. <laughs> so yeah. um, I saw some some takes T-A-E-K-S uh, is the spelling on that one. Flying around at halftime. Uh, E-K-S. Um, uh, somebody was saying that Wes Miller should be fired, uh, that people that he does not represent the university. I was like, man, people are down tremendous right now. And we got better. Um, we obviously were able to, like you said, Justin, come back and somehow find our way back to a dub. Yep. And I mean – at the end of the day, that's really all that you can ask for um, and not to glaze over lightly uh, what this game was. But uh, Dan Skilling said it himself. This was a must win game for the Bearcats. Yeah. And, you know, of course, after coming off of two losses, Steve, you're I hope that this is not the case, but it'll work out for us this week. We'll get to the West Virginia thing later. But what is the pattern that we're on right now? Our winning pattern win one, lose two, and you only beat teams with a three-letter abbreviation. But, Justin, we played West Virginia on Tuesday. Exactly. Or Wednesday. They are a three-letter abbreviation team, if you think about it. W-V-U. So. Who's after that, though, too? Another three W. T-T-U. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to see some patterns happen. This We're going to see some patterns. Week. So. You know, Got to take what you can. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, if, we, if you win all your games against the three-letter abbreviations, you're going to do all right in this conference. There's there's quite a few. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing about this, too, is it's so funny because, um, you know, you always can pick out those funny little patterns. But really, what I think is interesting about this is coming out of the two games that we had prior with Oklahoma and Kansas, the Bearcats were struggling. They were hitting the bottom of the floor offensively. Nothing was working. Couldn't buy a bucket. And you come to this game, you're like, OK, you got to gear up. You got to get it right. Now's the chance to do it. Guess what? You're still down CJ Frederick. And then on top of that, then you're also out Victor Locken in this game and losing Victor Locken for this game. I think it was the flu or something else that he had. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but losing Vic for this game was like, okay, one of the key pieces of your offense is now missing and you got to figure this stuff out and you got to hope it all goes right. At least you're at home, but this does not look good. And the first half just felt horrible for anybody who watched the first half. It was like, I don't know. It felt like watching the Dayton game again, um, where just nothing was Ouch. happening. Um, but it really was one of those ones where it's like, okay, we know that UCF is a very beatable team and they're crushing us right now. They're an elite defensive team and I will give them their flowers for that because they have done very well defensively They're, um, I think, Wes's um, staff had mentioned it too, or he mentioned in his press conference that UCF is sixth nationally, but they're third in the Big 12, which is insane. But to be a sixth nationally right defense, I think is huge. Um, and you can't expect to just, you know, get easy buckets from that. But in those wide open shots, still missing buckets, still having that issue. Um, and without some key shooters and without another key part of your offense to help open that up when you are struggling, um, it's only going to get worse, but this three point barrage is starting to really, um, it's, it's not getting better. 
And I think we've we've only seen it kind of downtrend. And so I'm hoping that we can see a fix for that. But regardless, they scratched and clawed their way through the second half. And then the second that they took that lead, that game was over. I mean, it, it just like UCF shut off. Like the lead that they had, it was kind of one of those uh, score a bunch and park the bus and just hope that they don't catch back up. And uh, Classic Jose Mourinho football right there. Yeah. <laughs> as someone who would know as a t- former, as a, well, I am a Tottenham fan, but somebody who formerly coached Tottenham, <laughs> you know, classic Jose Mourinho. Anyway, we just lost about half our listeners right there. Um, <laughs> Justin, I wanted to talk real quick about like just reviewing the box score today, there's a couple of weird things that stuck out to me. Um, three players, Jamil, uh, Jizzle, and Josh Reed, all held scoreless in 27 combined minutes. Um, is that a factor of, well, Josh Reed did not take a shot, so I can't say that he was held scoreless. Um, kind of put up a little bit of a Tony Snell stat line, one rebound and one assist for him, one turnover and one personal foul. So not exactly Tony Snell, but can we just uh, add that that is so sad for Tony Snell that like forever just being ass in a game is referred to as Tony Snell. Shout out to Donnie. That's uh that's where I'm getting that reference from <laughs> the, the Tony Snell. Uh, Donnie still lives through the podcast, but um, Jizzle James and Jamil Reynolds are combined. Oh, for five. Uh, Jamil only had six minutes in this game too, which I thought was interesting, but um, you know, I, I think something that might speak to that, um, and other than Bandego playing 20, 27 minutes and Odie giving you 11 productive minutes, like mm-hmm. he's West, West talked about him in the post game, you know, how he's been able to just bring his lunch pail and continue to show up and be a happy kid and, uh, and contribute despite, you know, not seeing his minutes be diminished. But, um, other than that, they once Diallo went out early in the second half, they kind of, or in the times that he was out, mostly in the first and second half, they kind of went to that small four guard ish lineup, and yeah, uh, it seemed to work a little bit better in the second half. Um, what was your reaction though, Justin, to us like just you know obviously going up like fifteen to six? Uh, I did say it was a twelve point lead earlier; it was just about nine, but I felt like I tweeted at the time when UCF like almost immediately erased that lead that that's the next evolution of this team and over the next 11 games is to really just step on the neck when you've got a lead like that and continue to just bear down and extend that lead rather than let it get close. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is just, again, more of what we've seen throughout the season is just that offensive inconsistency. Um, and you know, we're talking sluggish offense now, so I'm going to switch the key. Uh, <laughs> but this is one of those things that I think we've just seen over and over and time and time again. We'll have, you know, some really strong stretches of offense, and then it'll just flatline for minutes on end, four, five, six, seven minutes sometimes. And I think that that is something that is going to be really key going forward. Like you said, it's not necessarily even about, for me, I think stepping on the neck in that kind of regard. It is good. That's what makes the difference between the elite and, you know, just casual teams. But I think the real difference here is just finding a bucket in that run. It's not, it's not, you know, just continually pouring it in the whole game. That's what everybody wants. That's just not realistic, but getting a shot here or there, just putting something in to stop the bleeding, I think is really key. And if we can just figure out a way to open something up, I think that'll be really helpful. And like I said before, I think the key part to that that really made this one a little bit more difficult was the lack of Victor Locken. I mean, if you I, I'd have to look at this right now. So we are currently uh, sitting at 14 and six on the season. And if I go over here to Vic, he's played 19 games. This is his first game out. This is the first game without them. And we had probably our worst half of the entire season. And that's just trying to get used to playing a game without your key center, without your key guy down there. And I Mm -hmm. think that that really makes the difference in this kind of game, but it just goes to show the resilience for them to come back around and find a way to do that. And also, I mean, credit to the Bearcats offense and credit to guys like John Newman as well. And, uh, you know, Dan for being able to draw some of those fouls against Diallo getting him out early was huge. I know clearly they Massive. did do a little bit better, but that that really swung some things, and especially at the end. I mean, uh, somebody had brought this up, and I, I thought this was amazing. The guy fouled out with a total of six minutes. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that before? Because no. that's just, I mean, well, that's ridiculous. I honestly feel like that's a little 
that that sucks. I mean, that sucks for them. But talking about a, a Tony Snell stat line, he had a real Tony Snell stat line: zero yeah. shots attempted, two uh, zero rebounds, uh, two turnovers, and five personal fouls. That is a but yeah. that is a stat line. And I'm sorry I didn't put up the graphic last night because that probably would have played and been funny. Yeah. But um, Justin, I will say that um, you you do make a good point. Playing without Victor is huge, and they've had him for e- all of the other games this season. And um, he's been one of our constants this year when in a year where you haven't had um, Aziz, Jamil or CJ at different times. And we had to just balance a couple different plates. Um, I do think that though, and maybe my critique was a little bit too harsh at the time, but um, just the, the lack of consistency is really what's hurting us. Mm-hmm. And um, I, and it's themes that have been existent throughout this entire season. You know, we, we don't have the one true uh, go get a bucket type of guy. We don't have a really established point guard uh, on this roster. And we are just trying to continually learn this offense. And I do think that um, the offense did run. It's not really a West Miller problem for me. The offense ran fine last few years when we had David Julius, an actual point guard, uh, not that Dede is not an actual point guard. I'm just saying an experienced point guard who's played three, four years of college ball. Yep. And I think Dede just needs time to learn within that system. And credit to David for really picking up that system um, in two years. And when we were yep. on last year, we were really on. There were some good games for us. Um, I do think, though, that it's just the continuous themes um, that have plagued us throughout this year uh, continue to plague us. But I will say, though, I think we need to continue just when we have the, an advantage in the paint, continue attacking the paint. Um, yep. Our guy, our guy, Go Beercats, pointed it out just in a live game tweet yesterday, but paint was pretty much wide open for most of the game. And we mm-hmm. saw when John and Dan got going downhill and then uh, you had, you know, CMOS driving, uh, Aziz was cleaning up a couple times. There, there was p- chances to be had there, and Odie dropped in four as well. There, there was opportunities to be had there for those guys. Uh, and I think we kind of have to play a little bit more inside out right now, just because. Um, I and I brought it up again, like against TCU, we had a twenty point advantage on points in the paint, and. I think that's something that I've seen from this team that is kind of counterintuitive to how other teams want to play. Uh, I really noticed it a lot in the BYU game, for example. You know, BYU, they create a couple good passes, create that shot opportunity, and whether it's miss or make, they're running back on defense. They're looking to just play for the next possession. Whereas this Bearcats team, I've noticed, has when they take that long three or long two, they look to stay and try and get that rebound, you know, because they're willing to sacrifice some of their transition defense just to try and get that, that rebound and to get those second chance points. Second chance points are a big thing. And it's just like, you know, I, I think about like easy ways to get a bucket as if I could go in and get a bucket right now. Um, No, no chance. Am I getting a bucket uh, in, in college basketball right now, but I, I think Wes has seen that, you know, if you're going to stay competitive, you have to win the rebounding battle. And we have um, in most of these games and also try to just fight for those, uh, try and win those areas where some teams are willing to just let it slide and, and keep going on. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a, that's a really key part here. And I, I think for me, I just focus so much on the rebounding is because, it has opened up so many opportunities for us. And, you know, I think that's still the biggest separation between last year and this year. You just can't beat that. I mean, it's having the guys who are able to do it and having some of, you know, just some extra length at some of those other positions that are not the five, I think is really key. And that just helps push this team a little bit further every game and gives you another chance here and there. And some of those you stitch together And again, in a game like this against UCF, you just needed a few of those transition momentum plays to swing it. And then once you did, I mean, UCF, of course, given their circumstances, it was not is not a good outlook for them going into this game. Um, But like you said, I mean, I think that's your put the pedal to the metal. The second that you hit that switch, just shut them down and the game turns off. And that's, again, the thing that we needed really badly against Kansas and we never quite got. Because Kansas to UCF, technically, 
by technicality, Kansas is not as good of a team as UCF. Of course, they're better than UCF, I think. But I think that, you know, in this kind of situation, you just need to have that get up and go. And, um, you know, that's the one I think we're going to look back at some of those games and wish that we had had that. But we had that here, even though it looked like things were not going very well. And to score 41 points in the second half, I think is huge. That just really shows the ability to come back. Um, and this team, like, they're gritty, man. They never die. Like, they they never accept where they're at, and they're always willing to play to find that win. And that's something that you need because, again, you know, if you look at UCF in comparison, they were just waiting for this game to fall apart. And once it did, they just went hands off. I mean, yeah. it was like we went from, you know, down nine, eight, something like that, to plus two in a matter of like a minute and a half. And it was good. Yeah. Good night. It was I over. think they I think they got gassed extremely quick, yeah. especially without Diallo and having to play so many bench guys that are usually are likely not playing. I mean, credit to Marcellus Avery for going off for like right. 14 in that or 16 in that first half when he had 21 combined points in Big 12 play before last night's game. Like I think they just had once Diallo went out of that game, like it really just and I it looks like maybe Langford was hurt. He started, but I, he, we didn't really see much of him after that. Um, he only had four minutes on the game. Uh, complete trillion on that on that one, by the way. I'm I'm doing a lot of uh, stat line analyzing today, but um, I, I do think they were kind of gassed a little bit, you know, out down some starters, and uh, they had credit to them. They had a great 30 minutes, and then UC was able to really catch up, make their run, and never look back. And well, the, uh, the thing uh, the broadcast pointed out too that I want to mention. Uh, five field goals and seven yeah. turnovers for UCF in the second Major. half. Defense is going to win you some games in this league because, uh, you know, it's we're getting into the slog of the conference season right now. Some teams are just going to be tired, playing a lot of games, not ready. If you can stay disciplined on that defensive end and really just bring your lunch pail, I think they have a chance to really make some teams work for those extra buckets. Uh, Absolutely. And I think that's an advantage you can bring to games, even when the offense is struggling. Well, and this is a thing that I want to mention, too, because if you look back at this Kansas game that we had comparatively to the UCF game um, and then as well, when you compare it to the Oklahoma game, I wanted to mention for this UCF game, our minutes, because we had four guys over 30 minutes. Of course, you're missing Victor Locken, but this is a very different sort of shift um, that we've seen compared to the whole season, because really, realistically, um, looking at our stat lines here for minutes, we have no player averaging over 30 minutes a game. None. John Newman is the highest at 28.7, but you have a 26, 26, 25, 24, 24, 23. So you have kind of a long first seven or eight guys, and then it's kind of in the mid-teens for the rest. And I think that that's an interesting thing about this game specifically is because they were able to try to pick apart what was working good and what wasn't, and then just went with that short roster that they felt good with that was just effective, and they stuck with it. And I think that when some of those guys are hot, as long as they have enough energy to keep playing them, um, we've seen this in so many other teams that they just play a very short roster. They play a strong starting five, have a sixth or seventh man that they can throw in there, but it's really like a seven, maybe six-man roster for most of these Big 12 teams. And Cincinnati, I think, has done this very differently. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, um, of just having a little bit more of a refined roster as we get through the rest of the conference slate. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it's, like I mentioned earlier, we just don't have that defined point guard or defined uh, scorer uh, on this team right now. And it's probably a good thing that we're still winning games in this league despite not having those two things. And the system is clearly working. I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, this eight-game stretch or seven-game stretch of conference play has really made me believe in West Miller again. Not mm -hmm. that I didn't believe, like, not that I was ever on, like saying he was on the hot seat, but I think there was some right, rightful questions within, like, you know, last year, year before that, and the first thirteen games of this season. And he's answered some of those by his ability to coach yep. to get guys in places without you know certain guys being involved and just being able to uh really coach these guys up to victory 
we have been missed CJ Frederick for the entire conference slate. Like he has not played in nine games and um, there's uh, some scuttlebutt that he could be coming back later yeah. this week, possibly at the end of this week. I'm not saying anything. I don't know anything for sure. Please don't quote me, but um, the, there's some little birdies chirping out there. Um, yeah. But Justin, as we go into the season outlook and kind of mm-hmm. look at these, we finished this 20 game mark and we're looking out to, you know, the next 11 games conference tournament and hopefully some postseason tournament. What do you want to see from them um, as they evolve? Because I'll tell you right now, we have uh, seven quad one games remaining. Uh, in this schedule and I think six five, five or six more wins and hopefully you don't lose any of those uh, quad two quad two quad three games uh, I think you really just got to pick off one or two of those quad win opponents and you you look pretty good yeah I mean like you said we're at we're at 20 games so far into the season um, if you're at 14 and six right now realistically I think if you win you're three and four in conference. I think if you get to that eight mark, you're, you're, you're on the bubble. You're sitting somewhere in that. If you hit that nine mark, I think you can feel comfortable. And if you hit 10, you're fine. You have no question. If you can hit 10 wins in this conference, I, there's absolutely no question. There's a lot of tough games left. Of course, I think it's going to be hard to hit, you know, another seven wins, but I think it is really realistic to hit that eight mark. And I think you've got a good shot at getting back to the tournament. Um, I think one of the key things that I really want to see them improve upon is just that three point shooting. There's been so many open shots. I know I'll complain and whine about the free throws all day long, but it's not part of our identity. And I'm not going to just accept that it's supposed to be bad because the second that we accept it's bad, then Wes accepts that it's bad. But I think this is one of those things that unfortunately is sometimes just going to plague you. But the thing that you can get right is letting some of those open shots fall. It's not like, it's not like this is one of those things where every single shot is smothered and we're asking like, just try to find a way to make the ball go in. It's like, you got a lot of good opportunities. You're creating some good offense. You're creating some great openings, capitalize on them. And if they can do that, if they can shoot above 30%, for most of the rest of these games in the conference, I really do think with the way that they've worked in the points and paint, the way they've done um, rebounding so far this entire season, all those successful points, I think just culminate, have a three, splash a couple buckets in, and it's really going to make the difference because some of these games have been tight. And let's, I mean, we've talked about this. You've got two one possession games that you lost. You got two two possession games that you lost. That's a three-pointer. That's the difference of one three-pointer for two of those games. That's a three-pointer and a free throw for another. Like, it's just, it's that close to just clicking and unlocking this whole thing. And I really think that if you can do better than shooting two for 13, if you can make like five threes as a team, if you can get one guy to make more than two threes in a game, I think you have a chance. But that just shows you, unfortunately, that our three-point shooting has been honestly horrible. In, in retrospect, for how many guys can shoot the three, you've got a guy like Day-Day, you've got a guy like Jizzle, you have Dan, you've got Seamus, you hope you can get C.J. Frederick back. Vic can even hit some threes. You have a lot of guys who can shoot it. It might not be their specialty, but you have guys who can go find that bucket. You just got to get them to fall. I please think don't forget Aziz Bandago's three against <laughs> BYU. Uh, please do not let the timeline forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I think that this, you know, I think going forward, if you can, if you can just unlock that three point line and let it help you a little bit, I think you hit that eight mark without question. I really think you do. And I think when you hit that, you go tournament. I mean, it's like you said, you got to get those quad ones. You got to sneak something. The The road game coming up, we'll, come, we'll talk about this with Texas Tech, but I think the road game against when oh, I can't speak. The road game against West Virginia is going to be a good one, of course, but the Texas Tech one is really key because they beat a lot of teams and they're looking like the top two, top three team in this conference. And I think that that's going to last. So if you can steal that one, a quad one win on the road, especially against a top 20 team, that's going to be huge. You just have to find a way to win that one if you can. For sure. For sure. And I think that was a, a one thing too that I was a little bit confused by last night is we usually shoot the 
three ball a lot better when we're at home and went three for 14 yesterday. Mm -hmm. So another just weird part of the box score that we were able to somehow figure out and uh, call it a W because like how many games have teams won this year shooting three for 14? I did see that Indiana went 0-4 from the three-point line yesterday. They lost um, at Illinois. But I I, I agree though, Justin. I, I think if you can get to nine conference wins, you feel good about your chances. And as long as you don't lose on the first day of the Big 12 tournament, I think you have a real shot to get uh, to have your name called on Selection Sunday. I do think, yeah. and I tweeted the, this on Sunday morning, about how um, the, the the Bearcats resume stacks up just from the bracketologist standpoint to teams who on bracket matrix, I'd argue that right now are comfortably in um, because there are nine seed or above on more than 70 uh, bra- they have about 80 brackets this year and like more than 70 have those have some of those teams that I listed and UC's got better metrics than most of them. I mean, Michigan State is the only one that has a better uh, better metrics right now and uh, I, I don't really see it with Michigan State. We'll see, but um, I think the thing you have to do is really get a couple more quad one wins to solidify that because unfortunately our strength of our out of conference strength of schedule is kind of hurting us a little bit. Two ninety three. Yeah, and I wanted to put up Xavier in that in that graphic, but they're they're only involved in three brackets, and I think they will be left off of brackets any brackets tomorrow because yep. they are currently ten and ten and lost by about uh, forty thousand points uh, uh, on Sunday. <laughs> Certainly looks like it. I watched well, a little bit of that first half. I was uh, I was kind of enjoyable. Not gonna one lie. Thing, one thing I wanted to point out too with this, and so you know, I think we both kind of in agreement that if you hit that eight mark, that you can kind of find your way in there. If you look at the rest of our schedule, I'm not going to list off every team, but the winnable games in this, if you're looking for those next five, here's a few that are your just get business done games. You got at West Virginia, you have at UCF, you have Oklahoma State at home, you have TCU who already beat. They are a tough team, but TCU on the road. You also have West Virginia. If you can manage those five and find another one in there, you're at nine wins, and that's that's all you need. That is literally all that you will need if you get any of those other ones because all the other ones are solidified quad one games. Like, there's no touching it. But if you can steal one from a Houston or an Iowa State or uh, you got – um, Oklahoma again. And like I said, the Texas tech one would be huge. If you can get that, if you can steal one from any of those guys and take care of business through the rest of those quad two, three, I guess Oklahoma state's probably a quad four game at this point. I think you've got a real shot. And so those would be my marquee ones. Keep those ones on your radar guys, because I think those, uh, are very, very much winnable. Um, but of course it's the big 12. So any given day, you never know who's going to have it. Yeah, uh, just to, just looking at bracketologists right now, uh, only games that are not quad one coming up uh, this Wednesday at West Virginia, uh, Wednesday at home, uh, Wednesday February twenty first at home against Oklahoma State, uh, Saturday March second um, at home against Kansas State, and the final game of the season against West Virginia at home. So those are four games that you likely need to win. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not going to put out the must win tag on them, but. You probably should win, and if you want to have a chance at getting into the tournament, you probably need to win those four. So I don't, I don't even feel bad about the must-win tags anymore. If Dan Skilling says it, I feel comfortable saying it. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. I just don't want to put it, put too much pressure on him because there's obviously other chances. But uh, if you win those four, you get to seven, and you just have to take two of those other seven quad one games uh, that you have right now. So there's a chance. It's very doable. I mean, and we know that this team could, we know that they could just go through the roof and we also know that they could fall through the floor. It's just the big 12 and it's how things roll. Um, I'll leave this last segment off with uh, a quote from Wes Miller, which I loved in this uh, uh, clip from Russ Heltman at Russ Heltman, uh, Russ Heltman 11. There we go. Um, The one I pulled out of that was we haven't scratched the surface of what we're capable of. But he was talking about in this press conference um, about the sub 30% three-point shooting and some of the other pieces, how we've just not had a solid roster, how we've had to constantly rotate guys in and out. And we've kind of just been dealt some unfriendly cards throughout the entire season with, of course, Aziz and Vic 
um, and, you know, Jamil and having some of these problems and CJ, it just kind of has lumped together. And again, this whole thing has been stitched together and we're doing a pretty damn good job with the things that we have, with the factors that we have at hand. And so I really like Wes's quote there. And I do just feel like a lot of energy towards this team and I feel good about them. And I feel like they're in great hands with Wes. And I think a lot of people have kind of questioned him and a lot of people want that immediate satisfaction. They want us to just be at the top. Doesn't happen. But I think that like Wes said, this team, we can clearly see the potential. And given where we're at, if this is the floor, guys, we, we've we got a machine coming if this is the floor. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and, you know, some other things that I'm really excited about, the eventual eventual gear that we'll get from our friends at Charlie Hustle for Cincinnati. We don't know when it's going to happen. We're still waiting on it. Please, again, Marty Ludwig, we are still looking for some help. Come on, Marty. Buddy. Help us out. Charlie Hustle, your one-stop shop for everything vintage made fresh. Of course, they provide us with great apparel. They've got everything from hoodies to T-shirts to long sleeves to shorts, jackets, you name it. They've got everything. It's great collegiate stuff covering all of the Big 12. Um, and, you know, like you said, we're so we're so excited to partner with them still because they do offer some really great product. Uh, we're still just waiting for that Cincinnati product. It's coming. I know it's coming at some point. We'll get there. But um, again, make sure to check them out and use our promo code 101215. It is 101215 for 15% off all non-sale items. And while we're at it, let's also mention our friends at 1012, the 1012 network, who we are underneath and part of our community here. It's great. We have a lot of fun podcasts, great coverage of just about every team within the Big 12. Of course, we're going to be adding some more next year as well. So if you guys are on the lookout for any other podcasts or you know of any, I know that we are going to be looking for some more podcasts for Colorado, Utah, all of that. So if you guys know any, feel free to send them over. I know Philip would be very appreciative of it. We're all kind of looking to just round that out because we want to be the premier Big 12 network. We're already there, but we want to make it even better with all those teams covered. There are some other sports covered as well, like basketball, wrestling, you name it. There's a ton of great coverage there. So check out the 1012 network. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Philip. He was really uh, fighting some wars yesterday on the, on the Twitter sphere. So I was <laughs> in his corner. Um, uh, even like a, a, a different big 12 network was like tweeting at me about, about stuff and something I didn't say. I had the white right, wide right, and natty light guys coming <laughs> to my support. So uh, good. I feel like Philip overall, um, he had two solid takes yesterday. Let the kids enjoy the game and rush the floor. And oh, yeah. Big 12 basketball is always good. Two solid takes I think we can all agree on. Oh, yeah. And another solid take, um, a solid dookie take. Jay Billis, what are you talking about, man? Let the kids rush the floor. It's fun. Keep the sport fun. Keep it fun. I, I don't care what else. I mean, even Joe Burrow said today, let them taunt. Let them have their fun. He's not even playing and he's saying that. Let them have their fun. Just let people have fun. Why are we so concerned about the proper order of things in the world? Just let people celebrate. Uh, I, I think Caitlin Clark flopped, by the way. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> that maybe probably. maybe not, but uh, you know, it just it was a weird situation, and at, like for someone who has who has as much awareness on the basketball court as her to just like not see that oh, out of yeah. the corner, it was just it was interesting to me. Mm. She did not. Don't come at me, Iowa fans, or maybe the Iowa State fans will like that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But. Well, speaking of Iowa and Iowa State. There's another thing about Iowa State. That's right. The Bearcats have found a defensive coordinator. He does exist. And he just so happened to be hired, just like Steve said, the day that we would release the episode. This is the way the world works. Steve, please. Yes. Uh, so Tyson Veit, uh, the former assistant head coach and linebackers coach at Iowa State. Uh, he retweeted the weather forecast for about uh, six days ago in Ames, Iowa, and then was like, uh, he saw that there was no highs above the teens, and he said, I'm out of there, and he uh, decided to come to Cincinnati. Um, I think, Justin, a bellwether of whether a move is a good or bad thing uh, is to look at the fans of the place where mm -hmm. the player or coach is coming from and see how they react. And we obviously saw how people reacted when Scott Satterfield left Louisville, and um, <laughs> I think we still have some of those things in our minds, but – we did see how 
Iowa State fans reacted this week when it was announced that Tyson Veidt was leaving to take over uh, the vacant defensive coordinator position at Cincinnati. And they were sad to see him go because uh, I guess their current DC, when he was about to retire, they wanted Veidt to take over as the new DC. And I think that's a positive sign when fans are upset. Um, guy with some head coaching experience, runs a 3-3-5. Uh, and I think Cincinnati probably had that in mind as they recruited a bunch of DBs from the transfer portal and have some younger DBs as well from this past year's roster. So um, we don't have to talk about too much football just yet, but I like to hire, Justin. I mm-hmm. think if you're looking to maybe change up the way you play, maybe respond to some more of the offenses that are coming in next year as well as just – fix what you did poorly last year and try to uh, understand what you'll be missing uh, next year. I think this is a good way to respond to it. Um, Have some more DBs playing uh, in that backfield and let Dante Corleone be part of a three-man front. Let him work, let him eat because you're losing Jawan and you're losing Malik fan two other studs. And maybe you won't have as many guys up at that front three, but you're going to have more protection in that back end and to hopefully not get burnt to a crisp like we did last year. Yeah. And I mean, let's look at this too. Like Iowa state was a pretty solid defensive team. You know, yeah. That's not going to go all in the back of uh, Tyson, but I think there is a lot of credit to him there uh, for those categories that he's coaching in and for those, you know, groups within the team that he's coaching. And I think when you look at it, like you said, that reaction, I think says a lot uh, because, when you have somebody who people want to stick around, it's better to steal a coach than uh, have a coach handed to you. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. Um, And I think that this is one of those things that if you consider where we were this year and what we're looking to improve upon, if you can not only take a coach who's still wanted, but take a coach from inside your conference who knows your opponents, who knows the big 12, who has been used to working against these schemes, that's a really key piece. And if I think that that's going to, you know, help us out and it's nothing, you know, personal, but look what having an inside man does look at how we perform this entire year. I'm not going to give any credit to Pitt, but Scott Satterfield had Pitt's number, man. He just knew how to play against them. And then he comes to Cincinnati and he could figure it out. It's sometimes you just know those schemes. And if you have people who know those schemes, it just gives you another leg up against some familiar teams. And of course, the Cincinnati Bearcats are still going to have the same exact type of schedule, and you're going to have to manage that. And if you can find some of those key wins, you're going to need those guys who can help you do that. And I think Tyson's going to be able to get there. Um, and like I said, I think my only key for him, like I said last week, whoever that defensive coordinator is now for Tyson, just get us back to a bowl game. Get this team stable. Make sure the defense stays at an elite level that it's been. Make sure that they are known as a defensive team and make sure that that stays consistent. And I think that that's really all you can ask for. Um, and so, I don't know. I'm excited for the hire. I'm excited to see how it all pans out. I'm glad that we got somebody in there to help <laughs> figure all this out by the time we get to the spring game and further on. Uh, again, the sooner that you do this, the better it helps you out in the long run. So, always good to have those guys. Two quick notes before we move on. Um I don't know if you saw, but 247 in one of their 2024 season previews had Cincinnati as the easiest schedule for teams who didn't make a bowl to make a bowl this year, which is somewhat surprising to me, uh, hence that a lot of people are predicting us to be last in the conference again and that we are we were not very good last year. Um, And this is without the schedule release, which we heard officially is being released this Wednesday january 31st so we will review that next week and give you another eight and four prediction that we definitely don't have to talk about (laughs) again or a six and six you know uh we had two predictions and neither of them came close but um you know justin we're talking about some schedule that is going to happen in the fall let's talk about the schedule for this upcoming week who we got playing the bearcats this week Oh, it's a little trip to Morgantown. The Bearcats going on the road to play West Virginia. I think that this game, like I said, it's got to be. Yeah, you don't want to put the label on it, but you got to put the label on it. Just own it. It's a must win game. West Virginia has beat Kansas and Texas, two teams that we did not beat. However, they're also seven and 13 and they're not a strong two and five, but not a weak two and five. And this is not a 
very winnable game, but this is one that you just have to find a way to do it. I think if you can take care of business against BYU, given where they were on the road, I think you can go into West Virginia and do this too. I think it's just one of those games that you got to find a way to win. Um, you, you know, your offense, even though it hasn't been great, your offense has been looking better. Your defense has been looking better. Your shooting has been better. Your rebounding has been better. Your defense, like between blocks and steals has been better. It's, it's just everything about this team says on paper that you should win. And if that's the case, I think you have to win that game. West Virginia's key players here, you got, uh, I don't even know how to say this, Slazinski? They've got some interesting names, but, um, you know, you got a 13-point score here. You got a guy who's 40% from the floor. And if that's your best player on the team, you've got a lot of other guys that can do that too for the Bearcats. And I think that you just got to take advantage of these guys on the road. Um, you know, of course, West Virginia, like I said, is not going to be a slouch by any means, but they are coming off of two losses to UCF and Oklahoma State. That should say enough about where you should be with this team and you should take care of business. Yeah, that was Oklahoma State's first conference win of the season. Yep. Uh, hey, we said go pokes twice last week and look <laughs> at them. They're back one and six, on, one, and one six. and seven on the on the I don't know. I think one and six. I don't remember. One anyway, um, I think uh, just from looking at the the matchup, um, I don't want to read the stats because that's boring. But um, <laughs> just look at the matchup on uh, any app you have, and you'll see that the Bearcats are better than this West Virginia team in most of the stats and most of the big numbers that uh, places seem to analyze. So I think they just need to play their usual game. I think with the caveats we know about this team on road games where they don't shoot the ball well from three and they might not get the most chances to hit free throws. Like I said before, defense has to play well. Defense travels. If they can bring their lunch pail and really defend this game, um, I think they'll they'll have a chance to win. They just need to limit two of these guys, Justin. There's three guys that some people may know just for different reasons on this West Virginia roster. Kirk Creaso, former Arizona player. Uh, Raekwon Battle, the two-time transfer, who with Aziz was approved when um, Dave Yost, shout out to you, uh, sued the NCAA. <laughs> Uh, and Jesse Edwards. Um, if any of those three guys uh, go off, and if two or more of them go off, you're probably not going to have a good shot of winning. But if you can limit two of those three guys and just have one of them uh, really fill it up for West Virginia, I think you have a chance. Um, I wonder, though, Justin, if uh, uh, West Virginia will have the uh, trump card and uh, pull out a certain Hob Buggins who uh, is somehow not – uh, not was not fought or did not sign his own resign resignation papers, but um, left is not the coach anymore, but still <laughs> lives near. It's a weird situation um, over there with that coach uh, to say the least. I wonder if he'll try to get in the building this week uh, oh, yeah. to, to will the Mountaineers to win over his former school. You know that all they're going to need to do is just find a sneaky little camera pan when it's a tie game with two minutes to go and they're going to find Bub, Bub, Bubba Huggins, Bubba Huggy. They're going to find him and they're going to try to create some energy, but it doesn't matter because the Bearcats are going to find a win and that's what matters here. Well, so I don't know if you saw what the Ravens did on Sunday uh, during the AFC championship game in the second half, they cut out all the lights and they had Terrell Suggs walk out of the tunnel and start hyping everybody up. <laughs> Man, what if West Virginia, just in the ultimate heel move of themselves, uh, turned out the lights like 10 minutes after the like the under eight-minute timeout second half and then out walks Hob Buggins uh, just to get the <laughs> – just with the uh, – I, I won't say that. Just walks out <laughs> to get the, the crowd hyped up. If you're on YouTube, you can see what I was trying to hold and insinuate, but – he was recycling, okay, folks. He was trying to recycle. He, he was, was trying recycling. to make. He's a planet. known recycler. He was trying to make the planet better, okay, for all of us and for all of our children. He was trying to recycle, okay, and then also he was trying to recycle. And when he went on a certain radio station, which I, I can't say anything. Ah, uh, it's just detestable what he said on the radio station, and that the host of that radio station just let him go on with it. Hob Buggins needs to stay off the radio. Yes. Anyway, um, no Terrell Suggs moment for me, Justin. I think the Bearcats can come out and take care of it, 
care of business in this game. We'll see if Victor and or CJ are able to come back. But with that four guard lineup and that small ball, small ball play, I think they have a real good chance against West Virginia because I don't really think West Virginia has a big that stands out to me. Um, and they're obviously seven and 13. Like you said, they're, they're not really doing as much right now. It's a tough season for them. Um, that stands out uh, in your eyes, but again, go in there, play your game and win. That's, pretty simple yeah and uh speaking of more games that hopefully you can go in play and win bearcats after a road trip to morgantown are gonna be taking a road trip to another small town that is a very fun town so we've heard not to like that <laughs> lubbock the party in the middle of the desert um bearcats taking a trip over to texas tech uh they are going to be playing what like i have said before looks like a top flight team in this conference should be a top three team based on their performances so far. Their outlook looks really good. They've beat Texas on the road. Of course, that was the one that they had to open things up. Um, they took care of business against the teams that they need to take care of business to. Their only loss so far is on the road at Houston, where they did let it open up a little bit. That was a uh, quick maths 23-point loss. However, however, they did dominate some of the other teams, they found a way to win against Oklahoma on the road. They beat BYU. They beat K-State. They've beat some good teams. Um, and so I do feel really good about Texas Tech as a squad, and I do think they're going to be a difficult matchup. Um, however, I think they've also shown some ability to, you know, just ping pong back in this conference too. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be up there at the end, but it's the Big 12 Anybody can beat anybody, and I think the Bearcats can have a legitimate shot because they have had a few of these close games against some of the better teams. And though the Bearcats are not at the top of the standings right now, I think they're still one of the better teams. And I know that some people might disagree with that, but I really do think that the Bearcats are one of the better teams because how poorly they've played in some of these games does not reflect necessarily how good their record could be. And I think that, you know, of course that's the sort of moral victory battle, but this Bearcats team could have a lot more wins on their slate if they did a couple more things. Right. And like I said, and like, you know, the quote that I pulled from Wes earlier, this team hasn't scratched the surface yet. There's a lot of upward momentum left for this team. And so if they find a way to turn it on, they can really light it up. And I think they've got a good shot against a Texas tech squad. That looks pretty good. Of course, Texas tech is sitting at five and one, that does put them at the top of the table right now. However, there is Houston, Iowa State, both at five and two. They still have yet to play that next game, but they do play on Tuesday night at TCU, which will get them back up to that uh, seven total games in conference. Um, previewing this game specifically against Cincinnati, of course, Texas Tech is going to be the favorite. Um, they've got some pretty solid players. Um, their offense and defense have looked pretty lockstep with the Bearcats. Um, you know, across the board, I think they're fairly consistent with us. I don't think that there's necessarily anything that sticks out to me that they're necessarily completely better than in, but that, um, you know, that team shooting, I think is a really big piece for them and just being more effective from the three point line is helping them out. I, I think you've got to, again, it's the same things we've been talking about the Bearcats get effective at the three point line get effective at the stripe. If you can do those things, I think you have a legit shot here. Um, but they do have four double digit scores on the season. They run pretty much a about seven man roster for the most part in their lineups, um, eight deep. And then it kind of falls off off there. And this is what I'm talking about. Another one of those teams that has a little bit of a shorter roster, but a lot of talent there. And they've clearly been able to take care of some teams. So, um, they're going to be one to watch, but it's going to be a key game for the Bearcats, Steve. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the, uh, United supermarkets arena is going to be a madhouse, but Justin, uh, I don't really like not to have Texas tech fans clip this, but, uh, <laughs> I feel pretty good about the Bearcats chances on Saturday, just because of how they reacted to that Kansas environment. You know, they, yep. they were down 12 early, could have folded early raucous environment just like it will be on saturday night but oh i think we're losing steve oh no sorry folks 
Uh-oh. Okay. Well, Steve was talking Texas Tech, and I'm going to round this one out because <laughs> I think we're not going to get him back. That's a tough pause. Um, yeah, I think the Texas Tech game here is just going to be you know key for the Bearcats, like Steve was about to get to. Um, it's a very winnable game, and I think you just got to find a way to pull it out. Um, they've shown resilience on the road. They've shown an ability to make comebacks. Uh, no deficit is too large for this team. Um, and I think that that's a key thing going forward, having a little bit of that luck, having a little bit of those momentum building runs. If you can just stitch a few of those together, it's going to be really helpful to keep the Bearcats in this towards the end of the season. So I'm hopeful that they can get this win. I don't know. I'm not going to guarantee anything, but there's a legit chance that they can do it. And so hoping for the best on that one. Um, you know, if you've got right now sitting at three and four, you have these two games coming up. I think you gotta be, you bare minimum, you have to be four and five. If it's really ugly, I, I just hope that's not the case, but four and five, definitely a achievable record coming out of these next two games. Hopefully you can manage a five and four record and you can turn this thing around, get over 500. And then you've only got about three more games that you have to find for the end of the season. So it's going to be a tough away slate, but I think there's a legit shot there. Steve, uh, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, computer decided to restart on me in the Ooh. middle of my point. So I guess the, the, it was too hot for my computer to handle. Um, wow. Yeah, it, I agree, though, Justin, just picking up your point there. Um, a split would be great. I think you, gotta, you would like to win the first one and then let the chips fall on the second one. But mm -hmm. I think a split is perfectly fine. Uh, I would accept a sweep as well, but you know, I'm fine with a, I'm fine with a split. I think we'd all accept a sweep. Um, <laughs> Steve, we're at that point in the show. We we're getting are to the end of it, but we are. No. what's the best food on the planet? That's right. It's a wrap and we got a wrap for you. Steve hit us with the Bearcat sports wrap up round us out. I, I like that. That was beautiful. Justin, <laughs> the Bearcat sports wrap up is brought to you this week by the 1012 Podcast Network. Shout out to them. Go ahead and join. listen to all the other shows on the 1012 Network. I'm sure Albie and Jeremy will be previewing this game from the <laughs> Texas Tech side if you want to go ahead and check them out. So, And, you know, the 1012 Podcast as well as uh, talking about the entire league. It's a fun time to be a Big 12 fan, especially when, you've, when we're part of a network that actually, one, likes the basketball we're watching, and two, yep. enjoys – and has fun with the basketball they're watching. So uh, when I listen to a podcast, I look for fun and I look for enjoyment while bringing uh, stats and analysis to me. And the 1012 podcast does that. So check them out. Check out any of our, our fellow network colleagues and um, enjoy. Um, let's get to that Bearcat sports wrap up. Women's basketball. Um, I told you last week when, they record, when we recorded that they were going to play Oklahoma State as the second part of their home and uh, two game homestand and they defeated the pokes on a last second layup on Wednesday. Um, shout out to the team. Uh, Katrina Merriweather's second win of the season. She's really turned around this, this team, this program, and it's only going to be up from here. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately lost at Texas on Saturday tennis. They got received, they got their third sweep of the season and it gave their head coach, Eric Toth, his 100th career win part of the Cincinnati tennis hall of fame. 100 career wins for Coach Toth. Shout out to him. Uh, track and field, great weekend at Clemson. Saw Hannah, Hannah, graduate student Hannah Jackson place third in weight throw. Graduate student Tyler Worth, Justin. Uh, back at it second, again. Back at it again. Placed second in the 3,000 meter. Uh, seven minutes and in uh, under eight minute time in the 3,000 meter. So uh, that boy can run. Uh, I can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> Claire Kurtzinger placed third in the 3,000 meter on the women's side, and Abby Nauf placed fourth in the pole vault. So shout out to them. Uh, they have another meet this upcoming weekend. And on the professional football side, little-known sport, not really watched by many people, uh, one Travis Kelsey now holds the all-time playoff receptions record with 150 uh, three now. I think he caught a ball after he set the record, but mm -hmm. um, congratulations to him, man. Headed to his fourth Super Bowl in five years. Brian Cook, um, he apparently he that was all the Chiefs needed last year to beat the Bengals, and then um, his second straight year going to the Super Bowl 
uh, as a member of the Chiefs. So shout out to those two Bearcats. Uh, they're they're unfortunately on the Chiefs side, but you know who we will be um, wanting to win um, in a couple weeks. Uh, anybody who's a Bearcat and wins a Lombardi Trophy, I will root for you. Even if you do play for a team whose fan base I hate, uh, shout out to Kansas, Kansas let's, State, and Texas Tech fans. Let's throw this in there too on the Travis Kelsey note. Did you guys see the stat line? Did you see the numbers from this game? 11 for 11, 116 yards and a touchdown. Like, that's perfect. You can't get better than that. Caught every single ball. And he caught some funky, I, I almost said some other words, some funky balls. He caught some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, is, this man is very talented, and he clearly continues to show it week in, week out. Um, and he shows why he's the best tight end. And the best tight end in all of pro sports, all of the NFL, all time. I don't think anybody can surpass him. And I'm going to put that on my mark right here. Rob Gronkowski, sorry, buddy. Travis Kelsey's better. You're going to miss, Gronk. Nope. We got <laughs> Travis Kelsey, baby. Oh, I was sorry. I was referencing the uh, the <laughs> FanDuel commercial where uh, John Cena tells Gronk that he's going to miss his uh, obviously CGI'd miss field goal. Um He's going to miss it again, I think. So uh, anyway, uh, Vandal, if you want to sponsor us and uh, uh, have us promote that, uh, it, well, not for free, uh, like we just yeah, did. Yeah, no free ads. Yeah, no free ads. A certain sports book, not, not, I should, damn it. I ruined the whole bit. Anyway. <laughs> but you're right, Justin. I do think that uh, Travis Kelsey uh, is the best tight end in the league, uh, in the league's history. And, He's still only what 33, 34. He's still got a couple of years. Just looked it up today. Yeah, uh, man, 34. Like he could, if as long as he doesn't get hurt or doesn't want to continue his broadcasting career, he could pro- realistically go another six years, you know? Yeah. I, I, I do think he's got a chance to just, you know, my, one of my favorite things somebody ever said about him was some guy on TikTok is like, um, a dope construction worker uh, just catching balls out there. Um, Swaggy uh, construction worker. Yes, yes. Swaggy <laughs> construction worker, Travis Kelsey. Uh, I, if he can play another five years, man, like that just speaks to his longevity and his ability to continuously show up in big moments and win playoff games. Like, I'm not a Chiefs fan, like I said, but you got to respect Travis Kelsey because he's a Bearcat. So, uh, mixed loyalties there but whatever man shout out to the bearcats hey, this is a bearcats podcast anyway you know who else is becoming a pseudo bearcat taylor, taylor swift <laughs> taylor swift travis kelsey taylor swift uh kansas city chiefs sorry justin that's for the youtube seo there <laughs> hey we gotta get some views on this show all right so taylor come join us on the pod talk about your love for the cincinnati bearcats and your yeah. custom jersey yeah hey and when are we gonna get them on the field or on the court, like it's gotta, we gotta be due soon. Once there's, there's gotta be some kind of gap in there where there's a tour and the end of the season is happening. I think there's a, there's a situation that we could possibly make it work. I would say that it is probably going to be at the big 12 uh, tournament in Kansas city Good um, idea. because uh, one, she can have, they can have a suite there for security reasons. Um, I do think that when Cincinnati last played in Kansas City um, for basketball, Travis did show up. I think he was there, if I remember that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, that was for that midseason tournament where we beat Illinois and then lost to. Um, oh yeah. Hey, Arkansas. By the way, um, I mean, I love you, Davenport, uh, but uh, tough. Also, ten and ten, just like our friends at uh, uh, Eggs uh, Xavier. But anyway, I do think that this is my prediction, Justin. They will be in a suite for Cincinnati's. Uh, first game and hopefully uh, following games of the big 12 tournament in Kansas city. That is just my opinion though. I think all four and the victory celebration, they'll be on the court, right? When we win the big 12. Yeah. They're going to be there for the whole thing. That's fun. Yes. They're going to be there for the whole thing and they're going to be smashing some Cincy lights while they're at it. Folks, that's all that we've got for this week's show. Thank you so much for joining us as always. Thank you to our partners at Charlie hustle Thank you to our network overhead with the 1012 network. Always happy to be part of all of these different groups. They make the podcast fun. They keep our community alive. And of course, covering sports just makes it fun. So thank you to all of those guys. And for the Bearcats, like we said, got two big games coming up on the road. Hopefully you can take some good wins there. 
and uh, improve on the season, improve a couple of these slacking categories, and may, maybe, just maybe, start to really unlock that offense and uh, start gassing some teams because we're looking forward to it. So hopefully it happens. For myself, for Steve, go Bearcats. Cats by a milli. Get some dubs. Viva. The Cats. Sports Social Podcast Network.